we ask people, you know, what's your life's work? And we, we try and support people through that. And the number one on that list is mental health in the workplace. I believe everybody can be um, creative. It's just, it, it depends on what your definition of creative is. Hi, my name's Chris Meredith. And I'm Paul Fairweather. And welcome to The Common Creative. We're on a mission to capture and share the tools and techniques of creativity. And today we have a fascinating guest on the show. Kath Blackman, welcome. Hi, thanks for having me. Now, Kath, um, you you, you um, were introduced to us through a very interesting piece in the media. We noticed that your agency, Versa, um, has boosted its profits, boosted its turnover by converting to a four-day working week. We're very excited to learn more about that. Paul, I think it was you that spotted the article. I did, and uh, I was reached out to Kath and thought uh, it'd be great if she came along, and she readily agreed. Uh, so, uh, Kath, we're really interested to hear your story today. But just uh, uh, before we start, or as to start, tell us uh, your take on you know the meaning of creativity. Once people unburden themselves from, well, I'm not creative because I'm not a designer or I'm not a technologist or I'm not, and actually realise that everybody in every um, every role that they do can be creative because you can be a finan- you can be a financial accountant and be creative. I mean, and you know, I think everybody knows that because I've seen creativity come into accountancy. But you know, it, anything if you're the ops director, you can kind of creatively think. So we every Tuesday we have a since we've been in lockdown, which for us, are you guys in Melbourne? Are you in Melbourne or I'm in what? Sydney. Paul? I'm in freedom of Queensland. Oh, you're in Queensland, incidentally. Well, you don't understand then. We've been in lockdown forever. But anyway, so so um, we every Tuesday we do this where we do breakouts on Zoom rooms. So we all get together. It's actually a good thing if you're doing workshops. So we just break them out into groups of five. And then I bought these, um, the School of Life, which is these cards. They're just questions, right? And so the one this morning, I had three this morning. So we break people out. They've got 15 minutes to answer three questions from the school of life and you just get random people so the whole idea is that it helps new people that were onboarding it's that um uh water cooler coffee machine kind of chat but it you have to facilitate and you've got to give people don't tend to have those um relaxed off the cuff um, conversations anymore when they're in a digital one but actually one of them was rank the following in order of importance to you a prestige b money c easy working hours d friendship e creativity and f impact of the world on the world so and it was really interesting um how like and exactly what I just said happened the the designers and the UX guys so the actual creative people if you like chose creativity but the others didn't even though I know that they're creative and the account managers the producers they're creative and it's important to them that's why they work for us but they weren't prepared to say that that was the most important thing because it was almost like, oh, I can't own creativity. And where and yeah, I, think, I think everybody can own creativity in a business. I think one of the culprits is the old 
ad agencies because they had a department called the creative department. And yes. if that's true, if you've got a creative department, that means the whole rest of the business doesn't have to be creative. And a lot of yeah. marketing services companies still sort of adhere to that model. There's only a few people around here that really do creativity. Um, and they turn up for work late. They wear black T-shirts and the rest of us don't have to do it. Uh, and yeah. clients have learned that and it, people inside agencies have learned that. So it's tough to break out of that mold. Yeah, and it's exactly the same, I think, anyway, with innovation. So that's another role. So I think creativity and innovation are the two where I – like I've had people come into the business and say, I want to be head of innovation or I want to, <clears throat> I want to be in the innovation team. And I'm like, well, that's not a thing for us. We're all innovators and we, and we, we are all in one big innovation team, whether we're innovating and it's being, it's like you, you can be creative and you can be an innovator in everything. My EA can be an innovator. Like if she's thinking of new ways of doing things pushing the boundaries on her role and how we do things. She's being an innovator. So by taking it off people and putting it in a box, like emerging tech is the same, you're, you're, you are taking it away from people. And I'm, I totally agree. Creative agent, well, um, ad agencies have been doing it for a long time. They've been taking that creativity away from people and saying, you, you are not creative. You are creative with the black t-shirt and, you know, smoking pot in the corner. So, <laughs> so yeah, nothing wrong with black t-shirts. Nothing wrong. And nothing wrong with smoking pot in the corner either. But, but I'm, um, but I still think that, um, I, I think it, it holds people back from their... So, Catherine, let me ask you, because the, the downside of creativity is that it risks causing chaos. If everybody's creative the whole time, people are pulling in all sorts of different directions. And what businesses need is a sense of efficiency and process. They need to have a little machine that they operate. How do you harness, if you're encouraging people, everyone to be creative, how do you harness it? How do you make sure it channels around what you want to achieve? I think for me, it's about creating opportunities to be creative um, at certain times and then almost time boxing other times or other projects where it's just about getting stuff done. So you don't, um, again, I'll go back to being creative doesn't need, mean that you need to be able to draw or, you know, come up with um, ideas. It's, well, it's about coming up with ideas in your role. So you can be creative about project management. How am I going to get all of this work done um, in this time frame? That's being creative. But I think for us, it's about creating those opportunities for people to speak up and say, I've got an idea. Let's do this. Let's do it this way. Let's be better by doing this. That's the way that we harness it. Whilst at the same time, I mean, we are always in danger. We talk about this all the time um, of becoming a bit machine-like. I think that a lot of agencies these days, it's all about, you know, our margins are being crunched. Clients don't have as much money. Their budgets are... Um, are going down, not up. There's more competitors in the workplace. So your immediate thing is be more and more efficient, but that sucks the creativity out. So you, as a business owner and as a business, need to create actual opportunities for people to be creative. And that 
for us um, often is on, uh, it could be on a Wednesday or it could be doing hack days or it could be, you know, right through to um, Friday afternoons, just, um, you know, getting together and do, we call them creative jams where we kind of um, set a problem or pick a client, you know, so so creating those opportunities for the whole agency. Kath, I have a, uh, I have a word I call uh, pragmativity and it's the scale uh, between, you know, the pragmatic and the creative. And, you know, I do believe we're all on that, you know, that scale uh, somewhere. I'm interested in your project work. You know, you talked about that, you know, sometimes you've got to be creative and other times, you know, you've got to do the work. You know, are you sort of, are you obvious about it? You say like, you know, this is now creative time. Now now we just got to get and do the work. Like, you know, is it is it or is it a little bit like my pragmativity scale where it keeps on sliding back and forth? Um, a little bit of both. I think we're probably more on the former than the latter. So I think if I was honest, I'd love to be more about pragmativity. I'll be using that just just saying. <laughs> I will tell people that you came up with it. Um, I'm good at telling people where things came from, but I love that. But I think that um, for us, it's about choosing particular projects or particular problems business problems we've got and unleashing the beast and saying this is our opportunity to be creative to think um, outside of what other people are thinking Um, but we're a little bit different as an agency because we're given permission by clients and by the industry and by ourselves I guess to be creative with emerging tech that's our kind of that's our thing and so um, I think it's probably easier for us to infuse that um, pragmativity into it. But generally speaking, we do have conversations around projects to say, this is one where, you know, we really want you to unleash your, you know, unburden your mind from what the client has said you have to do and start to really, and we try and have one project like that in the studio at all times. So that because you, our team needs that to survive. We can't just be bashing out websites and apps and you know bots and voice experiences all day long. We we have to have that creativity in there. Do you have any tips? I've noticed, and I think it's completely understandable. A lot of the clients I deal with will often ask for creativity, and they talk about breaking the mold and uh, busting out of the category. All those good things. And when you start to talk about it and start to deliver it, then they go, oh, no, 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 we didn't mean that. And oh, no, 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 not that. So do you have a technique for getting clients to kind of embrace the implications of what they're asking for? Because it's a lot easier to ask for than it is to actually buy. Yeah, so you're going to be surprised by the answer because, yeah, the answer is yes, we do. And and it's actually by having a process. So it's it's kind of counterintuitive, but it's by having we use this um, process called agency agile so it's just kind of agile but for but it was actually designed for agencies to be able to work with clients and within that we create pockets of time yeah actually we had last week on the show we had daddy ven who's a celebrity chef from master chef and she said she loved uh boundaries but hated rules uh, was that the way right around, Chris? Yeah, so, you know, it's that whole thing, you know, and you're talking about the process. You need to have the process, uh, you know, but, you know, to enable you to, to be the most creative. 
Um, Kath, I, I was really interested, and as I said, you know, you, you came to our attention from that article uh, in the ABC about your four-day week, and particularly about the fact that you have a um, that your profits went up or your productivity went up when uh, you put everyone to four-day week. I'd love to love to hear about your experience and the motivation behind that. Yeah. So. Uh, the the actual that journey actually started three years ago. So and probably started um, ten years ago when I started the agency. But in earnest, I think um, three years ago I came up with this. I've always been looking for a way to have um, almost extreme flexibility, and so that's how I kind of started the agency. Was that concept of um, I didn't want to do things like other people, so I, I like other agencies. In fact, I've I didn't come from an agency background, and so I've I've always been really like rage against the machine. You know, if if every other agency does it one way, I want to do it the other, and so I really wanted to find this way of showing agencies how flexibility can work and you can still be successful. So that's how I that I actually started the agency with that premise. And then over time we it just got to a point where it was a little bit crazy to be honest where we had, you know, one one person working two days a week and then another person working three days a week and we were never in the office together no one really had any idea we even had this complicated smart light system to try and work out so that you would know who was in and who wasn't in in a um, day so I I was a, a victim of my own kind of um passion for flexibility and it so sounds a bit, it sounds a bit like a great precursor to COVID yeah exactly <laughs> exactly yeah little did I know that I was just practicing for this exactly but so so when what I realized is that um to harness that and we I'll go back to what we were talking about before around the creativity to harness the creativity and to harness the innovation and the um, the sense of culture that we had, this really strong culture, I needed to have um, to give everybody opportunities together and we weren't having enough time together. So I came up with this idea to have one standard day off. Um, I've got to say my leadership team at the time absolutely hated it. That was a big fat no. Um, they didn't believe that we would be able to be as productive and do as well if we kind of said to everybody Wednesdays we're closing the doors so I just made an agreement so I just started that and it took a year to show my team um, and that was the year that so we did a full year from um, I think we started in January by July 1 we were doing it full time and we agreed to do it for a year we did it for a full year and that was the year that we doubled our profits tripled our um sorry double our revenue tripled our profits uh sick days were down productivity was up every KPI that we um measured ourselves was better and so that was where I was like okay now I want to um I actually didn't go out to talk about it. The ABC heard about it and then they covered it and, you know, the rest is history. But but I'm why I talk about it all the time is I just want to show businesses that there is an alternative, that you can, you, you can be an amazing business and you can be successful and you can also give your team the, t- the time that they need to be their best. And I, and I believe that's a four-day week, not a five-day mm. week. 
Actually, that, that's fantastic. I just wanted to share a, a little story. I had a friend who's actually now, uh, uh, Matt, he's in Melbourne, but he had a cafe up here called The Gun Shop. And their busiest and most profitable day was Sunday. Um, but it was an absolute nightmare because everyone came in hungover. They're abusive. You know, people were fighting for tables. Uh, and they made the really tough decision to close on Sunday. And there was a huge yeah. outcry. Uh, but within one month, their profits were back up to they were before and more because they weren't playing penalties. Uh, everyone got a day off because they were a seven day a week cafe. And, and, you know, and so, you know, it's the same thing. You, you know, he's showing businesses that, you know, say, oh, no, you got, you know, you're going to lose your customers. People just found a different time to go, uh, to their cafe. Yeah. So, so back, back to your story, you know, I, I know this sort of concept, you know, has, you know, been popularized by, you know, the Googles and the Apples of the world who, who, who seem to sort of be, you know, abandoning it. Yours seems to have a, you know, a different flavor or motivation. Uh, you know, that, this whole thing about, you know, work on your own project and stuff. And, you know, I don't know. It seemed to be more about the business rather than you. And I know your, you know, your whole philosophy in Versa is really about people centered. So, I'm just really interested in, you know, how this is affecting the, the people uh, and, 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 and making them more creative and more productive by having this time to themselves. Yeah, so uh, um, actually the reason that I, I do this is um, because and we, we talk a lot about, and I, I might have said this in the um, interview that you looked at, but uh, watched, but um, we talk a lot about our life's work at um, Versa. So we ask people, you know, what's your life's work? And we, we try and support people through that. So not about what's your life's work at work, but actually what are you most passionate about? And my life's work is using Versa as a platform to move the needle on the things that I'm most passionate about. And the number one on that list is mental health in the workplace. So I think it's... Um, something that is um, really serious, particularly in our industry, but I think across industries. I think that, and I was actually talking to somebody from Black Dog the other day, um, you know, we were saying how it's funny because people will say to me, oh, I don't have any mental health issues in my workplace. And I'm like, oh, well, I already know that you do because one in two, one in two people will experience mental health um, issues in the in the workplace. So, of course, you have mental health issues in the workplace. Your staff are just too scared to tell you. So that's a different problem altogether. So, um, so for me, the actual reason for starting it and for um, and the impact that we've seen is actually on people's mental health. So, but the the flip side to that to talk about creativity is that if you give people a day off in the week to exercise, to meditate, to um, spend time with their families, to sleep in, um, to, to do whatever it is that makes them happy, to pursue their own business, um, which is a lot of what people do, or to, you know, our creative director, Andy, is an illustrator, so he illustrates all through um, Wednesday. Some people volunteer their time instead. Um, so, But if you give people that time and that breath, they will be more creative and more hardworking and in a better mindset the other days that they're at work. And I, and I always say this because people try and trip me up by some, you know, I often have people say, oh, yeah, yeah, but I've heard, you know, you don't talk about the fact that you do, you actually do 37.5 hours, which I don't hide the fact. I actually, our team does do 37.5 hours. So we don't do, I don't pay people for five days and they do four. Um, 
there are businesses, it's very hard to do that in an agency consulting space because you get paid for every hour that people are working. Um, but in our industry, people are actually working. They're not working um, uh, 37.5 hours. They're more like they're working 50 hours. And we've made it incredibly hard for people to work 50 hours a week. So so that's the point of it. It's just it's, a, it's about mental health and about giving people the space so that they're in the right mindset when they're in the office. Well, not uh, Kathy, is that why you, you picked Wednesday? Because when I first heard that the day you picked was Wednesday, I thought, oh, because I'd go Friday because that makes a three-day weekend. But I wonder if the, the act of picking Wednesday is a way, way of signalling, it's a day for you, but don't treat it like a chance to go out and drink with your mates and just have more right, hangovers, yeah, but it's right. a chance to do something a bit different. Is that is that what that's about? Yeah, so uh, basically... Um, it is, I'm very clear with people. It is, uh, it is a mental health day, if you like. It's a, um, it's, it's a day to be healthy, not unhealthy. So if I did it on a Monday or Friday, I've like, we've got a very young workforce at, um, Versa. If, um, if I did it on a Monday or Friday, they would go and write themselves off. You know, like, and and so they should. I mean, I'm 46. <laughs> Bloody hell, when I when I was in my 20s, that's what that's what you should be doing, right? Pre kids, pre mortgage, pre all of that, you should just be going and having big weekends and going to festivals and doing all of that great stuff. And but if you do that every weekend and it's a three day, then that could be hard on your body. And that's not what I'm trying to. And I'm not trying to be a dictator, but I, I chose Wednesday because I believe having too many weeks is a healthier way for us to. And I'm a huge proponent. I think everyone in Australia, I think everyone in the world should um, should do this because, like, we have not. So the last time, this is a fun fact, the last time that we looked at the um, the working week, Henry Ford and a bunch of his cronies. Um, looked at it in, you know, this is over 100 years ago, obviously 150 years ago or whatever, um, because he worked out that no one was buying anything because they were working too hard. So they were working six days a week then. <laughs> so they took the official working week from six days to five days simply because they needed consumerism. And that was kind of the start of that realisation that consumerism was a thing, right? Okay. And so, so that's what... We have not looked at the five-day week since bloody Henry Ford. Look, think about uh, how productive uh, we are. I know Paul wants to ask a question, but I'm going to chip in with, because I remember I was many, many moons ago, I was at business school, and I remember a guy called Taylor, the first management scientist, and he analysed how to get men, they were all men, to shovel coal faster. And he, his breakthrough was that you, the bigger the shovel doesn't make, make more coal being shoveled. Uh, it's a certain size. And also, if you give people a 10-minute break every four hours, that's what we learned at that time, they shovel more coal over eight hours than if you give them no breaks at all. I think it's kind of yours. You're now at the extreme. His name was Taylor. He was the first management scientist. But you, I think you might have discovered the mini week, the two-day week, the twice in each seven-day period. Maybe that's, you know, now the leading edge. Maybe Taylor would, would applaud what you're doing. Paul, I know you heard it. Okay, <laughs> uh, I, I, no, no, you're right, Kat. I, I think it's, uh, I think it's really interesting in that point. I come from a, uh, a, a an architectural background, 
and certainly, you know, especially young architects, you know, it's a badge of honour to be, you know, staying there for as long as you can and getting in early and, you know, working weekends. So I think that whole point that you made that, you know, people, you know, 50, 60 hour weeks are not unusual. Uh, and I know that, you know, the agency life is the same. So I love that thing that you've said, okay, well, you know, you can still do some big days, but you can't work Wednesday. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, yeah. you know, and the other thing I like about Wednesday, you know, it's a great pivot point. I, I'm just starting a, a, a lunchtime series at noon on Wednesdays because it's, you know, it's, it's, you can look at what you've done in two days and you can say, well, what have I got left in two days? It sort of, it helps break that, that thing yeah. of, you know, it's just this blur over five, five days. Yeah. Um, and we, and we don't, and by the way, we don't make people. So we make, we close the office, which these days make, means nothing anyway, but, <laughs> uh, but it actually did used to mean something. So we, we don't allow meetings, client meetings, and we don't, um, we do close the office on a Wednesday. But um, people can work from home and people do. Like they don't have to do the long hours, but they are strongly encouraged that even if they do choose to do a few hours on a Wednesday, um, we like to see people take at least the afternoon or the morning, which tends to be there's some people that would prefer just to get some stuff out of the way. And I respect that, that not everybody wants to have long days if they've got young kids or and they need to be around. You know, if you've got a baby, you need to be around in those yeah. uh, that witching hour. And so we, we're happy. It's just they still need to have that premise of taking some time for themselves, giving themselves a break and taking a deep breath. And what do you what do you do on your Wednesday? Okay. Um, so it's a it's a good question. I um, I tend to um, get my so I've got a um, a family like I've got two kids and two teenage kids and stuff. So I tend to um, get I catch up with friends because I'm a mum and I've got a lot of non working mum friends and so I miss out on a lot of that connection with those um so understanding so I do that um and just I do the shopping it's so boring but I do all of my (laughs) and and the reason that I do that is so that on the weekends when I'm with my family I'm just with my family and it's all about them and I don't feel burdened by shopping washing all of that kind of thing so for me I go for a, a really long walk um with somebody so I'll I'll pick a friend and I'll go for a two-hour walk so I do things like that so and if I didn't do that I would be a basket case I need (laughs) I need I need that time um, because I've now got used to it and I think my body has got used to just having a bit of a break on a a Wednesday so sometimes I work I'll admit that Uh, I wonder if I I want to change the tack a little bit because the the one thing we haven't talked about in this call is technology and On the surface of it, Versa, your company, is at the leading end of technology, artificial intelligence, customer experience. And it must be tempting, is it not, to to get drawn into the glamour of technology. And I think all of us are surrounded by new toys, new software, new hardware, whatever it might be. And it's going to solve all your problems. And and particularly in your kind of business, you might be thinking, I've got uh, sort of mental health to challenge. I've got client service challenges. I've got problems. And my answer is technology. I'm going to find another toy to solve. How we, you clearly don't think that. How do you balance the need to be passionate about technology, to keep up to date with technology, to give your clients great technology, and yet stay a human, stay in touch with mental health and well-being and those kinds of things? 
Um, because I think um, for me, it's all about using um, uh, because I started the agency with the um, uh, one of the other premises was um, using technology for good. So I, I never want to. It's actually easier uh, in a way for me because I work in AI. I'm confronted every day by people that actually think that I am killing the human race. And so, um, quite frankly, so I, it actually is easier in a way for me to, um, keep myself accountable, um, and make sure. And so I talk a lot about reaching the unreachable, using technology, using AI to, um, deliver multilingual capability, to deliver it in voice, to make sure that people, uh, um, you know, uh, don't have to have a high level of literacy, education. Um, they don't have to speak English as their first or second language in, in this country to be able to access the most basic of information. And I think that is what we should be using technology for, not for getting rid of jobs. Um, yeah, and of course, the you know, we do a lot of contact centre AI. Of course, people streamline, and I'm not trying to say it's perfect but mm. that's why it's easier for me because I have to stay accountable because what I do every day has the capability of um, ruining people's lives and so I've got to keep myself accountable and make sure that the technology is being used for better and, and I feel like a bit of a um, yeah, I'm not the only one. Jesus, I'm not saying that I'm the only one, but I'm, I do feel a bit of a responsibility and a bit of a caretaker role for making sure that I'm talking about this is how you use AI. You use it to reach those people that aren't being spoken to at the moment. Oh, conversation. So we help our customers have better conversations with their customers. So um, I, I don't know, like, so that kind of comes back to the philosophy around um why I got into the space, you know, people say, oh, are you a voice agency? Are you a bot agency? What do you, and it, it's a bit of everything. I just believe that there's a better way of um, talking to consumers and talking to, we do a lot of government and not-for-profit work, a lot of behaviour change work. And I believe that technology can play a bigger role in um letting people have access get uh letting people have access to information that they at the moment might have to wait on the phone for two hours they shouldn't have to do that so yeah conversation yeah no very good actually i i, I did it i just i've just i've just written it go yes that's right it is the middle of the word it's uh you know so yeah. often you know the whole big thing is to actually just take out valves you know like yeah you know in in those words in silicon valley so i love that you've just taken you know the heart of conversation as yeah. your focus it's uh it's fabulous there you go i was just going to ask what next if 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 you've had you i saw on your website you, you've had some setbacks if you, you tried to get everyone to get involved in yoga and some people loved it and some people didn't so you kind of pinned that as a kind of corporate thing that the, it sounds like the the four-day week or the two plus two-day week has been a big success i'm guessing what next what's in the horizon about going up another level in terms of productivity in terms of well-being and so on um oh it's a good um i would really like to see so we um we do um so we practice GEM, so gratefulness, empathy, and mindfulness. So we actually got this company called the Resilience Project, um, who are a group of guys that they actually go around schools. So they came to my kids' school, and I was like, oh, I, I, 
like it totally resonated with me what um, my children were learning so I knew that they did some corporate work so I got them to come in and so every morning we say um we go around and we say one thing we're grateful for and we rate the day from the day before and that is around being mindful about your state of mind like how are you how am I feeling like what's my and it also allows you to um, I believe we have completely destigmatized mental health in our workplace and it's the thing that I'm most proud of out of everything mm-hmm. is that people um, and this kind of goes back to the comment of um, that I was talking you know joking with the black dog uh, workplace woman saying you know so many people say oh I don't have a problem and it's like well you do have a problem you just don't know that you have a problem whereas I know exactly how many people have anxiety issues exactly how many problems you know I've got one guy that has alcohol issues one guy who has you know so you you know that um, the issues that you have that doesn't mean that other workplaces every workplace has that so um it, it, for me, it's about doubling down on that mindfulness meditation and trying to get people to a um, a place that where they are self-managing. So I would love to build a platform that allowed us to get be proactive about people's mental health rather than reactive. So that's my my new kind of focus is how can we start to measure and how can we start to predict um on behalf of people so help them to predict when they are starting to struggle and how you know what are those factors is it increased heart rate is it um a decrease in the quality of your sleep like what what are those factors that then allow us to say actually i think that you're heading down a road here that um that ends in you know, depression or anxiety or so let's put some um, things in place now. So without being too big brother about it, that's what I would love to do. That's the next step. Kath, I I really, really like that. And I, you know, uh, at my peak, we had 55 people in my architectural company. And something that I realized sadly towards the end is that, you know, when you you have a, a good staff member and invariably when you have a problem with that staff member, you know, and you think, oh, you know, what's going on? And, you know, they're not being productive and stuff. There's always something going on generally around mental health in their life. And, you know, in the old world, it's like, oh, that person's, you know, being lazy now or, you know, not paying attention or, you know, it's being distracted. You know, instead of going, you know, that is the trigger. And I've just always found, and as I said, unfortunately, I discovered, you know, later, you know, in my in my corporate career, that that is the that is the the red flag when someone who you know is has a change of behaviour, and they're hiding the fact that it's a mental health issue, but you know they have that thing. I, I had a I had a question for you on behalf of Chris and I, and it's something that going back to something you said right earlier in the uh, in the conversation about that you know you have this great realization that it's not just the creatives that are creative um and it's certainly what you know my thing in the in the corporate world was about having uh you know a creative culture but you know like you we're architects and so we you know people think oh they're all creative you know but there's a lot of grunt work that goes in and there's also a bunch of people that aren't technically creative do you think it's possible uh, to take your creative culture and put it into accountants or lawyers? Um, 
And if so, how? Because that's what Chris and I are trying to do. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so yes, and it kind of goes back to what I was talking about before is I believe everybody can be um, creative. It's just it, it depends on what your definition of creative is. And I think that um, by definition, actually, I think you guys are uh, are doing something that is amazing, right, because you are giving people the space to be creative. I think it, uh, not... I think almost everybody, I'm not going to say everybody, but almost everybody can be um, creative. Even neurodivergent, you know, kids that, um, and if you look at um, people, they, they, everyone can be creative in their own way. And so I think the most important thing is giving people the space to be able and the time to be able to do that. And I, I presume that that's, what you're doing, which is pretty special, is taking them out of their day-to-day job and giving them tools that allow them to express and think kind of in a different way. So some people have to be taught. That's what I find at least. Some people actually, they A, need to have confidence. So you need to give them the confidence that if they say something out loud, that that's okay, that not every, you know, they don't, it doesn't have to be super clever. It could just be a, and we have ways that we do that internally because I'm super passionate. When we do a pitch, we get everybody involved because ideas can come from the craziest of places. Um, So I think giving them a voice and giving them a safe space to trust themselves, but also giving them um, just time out from their day-to-day to to um, to work that muscle. It's almost like a muscle, isn't it, creativity? Like, For what it's worth, I, I think the, the concept of safety is very important because to volunteer an idea is to put yourself out there and to invite yourself to be judged. And I think there are two parts of that safety equation, which is one is if people recognise you're sharing an idea, you're putting yourself out there, it's very important they respect that and they give you the space and the permission to articulate your ideas. Uh, the, other, the other side is if you're a creative sharing an idea, you kind of need to be ready. Not everyone's necessarily going to love it. And if they don't, it doesn't matter. It's only an idea and there's a million more behind it. So, you know, maybe move on or maybe express it in a different way. But safety, I think, is a really important part of a creative culture. People need to be safe to express themselves. So it's great to hear you say that. Yeah, and I don't, and and I think just people need to understand being given the opportunity and their idea being used are two different things. So I think at least in our culture, you know, people are quite happy to throw ideas out there because they know that there won't be judgment, but they also know that we're not going to use every single idea. The other thing that we do, sorry, just to, is, which I think is super important with creativity is um, rep. Uh, recognizing that everybody talks and is and understands in different ways so we talk a lot about VAK so verbal auditory and kinesthetic and how you and so when we're coming up with ideas we actually have this it's actually a piece of paper where you write the idea you ideally draw the idea so you actually draw a a photo you come up to the front of the room you talk show it you tell talk people through it and then you stick it like it's all about feeling it as well so you stick it to the um to the wall and that's your idea that you've and so that is a much much better way um from what we've seen of making sure that people are 
uh, understanding your idea. So, so I'm a, a verb, not surprisingly. To either of you. <laughs> I would never. And you've, only, you've only spent an hour with me, and you're like, really, no kidding. <laughs> um, I'm very verbal, but I've got to remember. I've always got to remember that's the number one thing for me is that not every like I am one of the very few verbal people at um, Versa. Most people are, um, so they, they don't want to speak it. They want to see it. They want to feel it. They want to, um, see, they want a, an analogy to kind of hang on to. And so sometimes I have to realize that I've got to slow down if I want people to keep up. You're talking Sorry, to two visual people. Know. Paul is an artist, yeah. I'm a photographer. So, yeah, yeah, I think you make a really good point. Exactly. It's a reminder to us that our language of images may not be the language that other people communicate through. So yeah. how would you write it down? How would you feel? It's a really good point. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, Kath, this has been an absolute uh, fantastic uh, conversation. Look, I, I, I've got, I was trying to do a bit of a summary, but there have been so many great points that you've made <laughs> Uh, Chris, what what are you taking? Uh, uh, you know, my, my big take, I mean, we're, Paul and I are both passionate about creativity, but for me, yeah. you've laddered it up to a, a, a bigger idea about mental well-being, that when people feel safe to express themselves, they're doing more than doing a good job. They're, do, they're kind of helping them fill their life's purpose. They're helping them get balance in their lives. And I think that's so inspiring, so wonderful to hear. So I, I've learned huge amounts about creativity. Thank you so much, Kath. And I would say if anybody's listening into this podcast, please give us your feedback. I'm sure Kath started lots of interesting ideas. Jot those feedbacks in, give us a rating, tell your friends, and so forth.